Welcome back to When Bad Things Happen to Good People, a podcast about censorship and the arts. My name's Todd Sullivan. Joining me once again is Peter Raman. Hello. And today we are talking about Rage by Richard Bachman, a.k.a. Stephen King. How's it going, Todd? Good. It's been a little while. Good. It has. It has. Yeah. We, uh, yeah. I needed time to read. It takes time to. It does take time to read. Claw through the what is it, thirty, sixty pages, or a hundred and something? I think it was. We haven't we haven't read all those many yet, though. Well, my I guess on my ebook, I'm on page one hundred and ten or something like that out of two hundred and twenty-four. So. Fair enough. I've... It's probably probably not quite the same as, as no. Pa- you've got as like your twice paper. as many yeah. pages as That's me. Right, I'm about yeah. one hundred and thirty. So yeah. oh, total. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Pete's reading off of uh, an ebook, and I've got the the classic hardcover original Bachman books, black cover, uh, gold and silver writing, because um, it's very hard to find this book. Uh, it's, it's not I, I looked. Anymore. I I looked. I went to a few different used bookstores, um, a few kind of like book sales and that kind of stuff. Because I I did feel like you know my style is definitely more kind of paper in mm-hmm. my hand, um, and I I couldn't find it. I I've got a, a guy out there, you know, at one of the bookstores in town, looking actively looking for me. So maybe a little too late now because I, I got the ebook. But uh, I mean, it's still uh, you know out there and attainable yeah. maybe not so much uh you know there's copies on ebay that are pretty expensive yeah. that kind of thing but uh you know the, the ebook version is is out there yeah um my uh my struggles to find the book were uh a lot of driving around town and then yeah eventually i just gave up and said okay i, I think i gotta try and track it down online i actually did i <laughs> i i ordered a, a copy from amazon uh Oh, yeah. of the the Bachman books so yeah. the same kind of one that you have but um only after ordering it did I realize kind of looking through the notes and stuff that people were saying oh rage is not included it's the it's, modern uh, version yeah, that doesn't the, yeah. it's the kind of reprint after uh, after he pulled uh, he pulled it out of publication so I've got I've got the Bachman books but uh, no rage in there so yeah rage is a unique banning because in yeah. most cases a banned book is one where a school board or a government has come in and said, you cannot read this. Whereas in the case of Rage, it's the author himself who stepped forward and said, you cannot read this. Mm-hmm. And it's because uh, Rage was thought to be an influence in some school shootings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a number where, you know, it was either found in a locker or at home or uh, there's one or two where I think, they, uh, someone either in the class or, or the perpetrator themselves said that they read the book mm-hmm. and, and that was maybe part of it kind mm-hmm. of thing. So yeah, there's, you know, I think there's definite evidence out there that it's potentially linked to a bunch of different shootings. And I think 80, the eighties and early nineties, late eighties, early nineties. Um, but when was it written? In the so, 70s, um, maybe Rage was published in 1977. Okay. Uh, it was written under the title Getting It On, mm-hmm. which we will find out is not at all a surprise. Um, and it was published under the name Richard Bachman. 
So what happened there is uh, Rage was technically the first book that King wrote. Uh, and he tried to... Oh, oh, like ever. Ever, yeah. Okay. And so he tried to get it published, um, didn't get any bites, went back, wrote some more, eventually wrote Carrie. Carrie became the big smash shit, blah, blah, blah. A few books later, King is uh, is huge. He's one of the biggest writers on the planet. He's also writing at a pace that his publisher can't almost keep up with. Mm. He's creating more books that they want to then they want to put in the market because right. you have too many. They're going to cannibalize their own exactly. book sales. Yeah. So this is where Stephen King gets the idea to create a pseudonym, mm-hmm. and it's to do two things. One is to give him an avenue where he can publish these books that he's grinding out too fast. Or these older books that, you know, maybe didn't have life then. And it's also because he found himself questioning whether or not he got lucky with his success or whether he was actually talented enough to deserve it. Okay. And so his thought was, let's see if I can do it again. Mm-hmm. Let's see if I create a new person and start from the ground up, what'll happen. Right. And so that's when he published Rage. And... Rage was followed by uh, The Long Walk, The Running Man, Roadwork, and Thinner. Thinner was the last one before he was outed. Was Thinner was written as Richard Bachman? Originally. Oh, okay. Um, I, I only think it was out for a couple of months before it came out that he was Bachman. Oh, okay. And it ended up being, I believe, a copyright notice on Rage that revealed it. Hmm. So... He had copyrighted Rage in his own name. Oh, all so, of the all of the other ones were registered by his his agent or his publisher. Okay, so they didn't have his name on it. There was nothing to connect it to him. But I guess there was this guy who who was reading Thinner, and maybe he'd read some other Bachman books, and was like, "This writer's voice sounds so much like Stephen King. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it is." And when he did his research. Looked at the Library of Congress and the copyright Rage. records okay. and saw the name on Rage and was like, aha. And that's what set it off. Yeah. And, uh, and to my understanding, he called King or tried to get in touch with King to say, I got you. I got right. you. I figured it out. Yeah. Um, which is interesting that he didn't like immediately just go to the press or like now you'd go. When, to... when was this? So the 80s? It was in the 80s. So okay. the first collected. A different time, I think. The first collected Bachman book was released in 1985. Okay. So yeah, it's a different time, but still, even that's a time where you would go on like Good Morning America or Geraldo or you know. <laughs> um, but no, he's, he's just like he, called, he tried to get in touch with King and to say like, I know, yeah. And sort of they talked about you know what to do about it, and eventually, King came out and you know revealed it and did interviews, right. and it probably was even more publicity for him. Um, and then, well, he... the question still remains: uh, Were the books successful? Did, so, did he prove to himself that he wasn't a... I mean, I, I, obviously his career has maybe more than proved that now. But yeah, at, yeah, yeah. At, at the time. Um, so, yeah, it didn't it didn't exactly catapult the same way that his, his own success did. But by the time he had gotten to Thinner, as I recall, he was, he was selling around like a couple hundred thousand copies. Okay, so decent um, So not terrible. Yeah. Um, and Thinner ended up going out in hardcover as well, whereas the previous four all made in paperback. Mm. So he didn't get anywhere near the same level of success, but at the same time, his attempts at it got prematurely cut off, potentially. Mm-hmm. So, you know. 
Not, enti- not an entirely failed experiment. But not unsuccessful. Like, yeah, know, no, those, no. Those are those are pretty decent numbers. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know kind of some of that backstory uh, around it. You know, because I think for me, again, as I said, I wasn't yeah. a major Stephen King kind of reader when I was younger, so. To me, the whole Richard Bachman, Stephen King thing is kind of way past uh, yeah. know, any any excitement or anything very current about it. So it's like, oh, yeah, Stephen King, Richard Bachman, he did that at some point in the past. And, you know, now we all know. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and so the reason, of course, that, you know, that Rage is connected to school shootings is that it, it features a, a character who goes into a school and, and shoots some people. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, while there were a couple of school shooting incidents that, rage was connected to the one that was apparently the straw that broke the camel's back for king it was a shooting in december 1997 where uh michael carneal shot eight fellow students three of them fatally at a prayer meeting at heath high school in west paducah kentucky he had a copy of rage in his locker as part of the richard bachman omnibus um king said in his keynote address at the vema annual meeting on may 26 1999 the Carneal incident was enough for me. I asked my publisher to take the damn thing out of print. They concurred. Well, I, I get it. Yeah. Right? I mean, you, you put something out there and, you know, I, again, like I said, I'm not familiar with uh, every book Stephen King's ever written, but I definitely see where he's going with this so far after reading the, the first half, right? It, it's, it is this psychological thriller kind of, kind of book very much in, you know, what I know about his wheelhouse. Uh, I could see, you know, why it'd be an interesting first book that he ever wrote. And, but also you, you get, you get it, you know, if people are reading this and it's driving them to, you know, go and commit some kind of school shooting. Yeah. You maybe don't want that, uh, that out there in the world, especially in this kind of current day and age and 1997, you know, internet starting to happen. Right. Yeah. There's a lot more easier ways to propagate some of this stuff. Uh, I can see why why he and, and the publishers would want to take it out of print. But, you know, I think we talked about this before about, you know, censorship in, in the arts where really this is probably the only acceptable version of, of censorship. Oh, like self-censorship? Yeah, self-censorship. Really the only, right? Because as an artist, it's you know, hey, I, do I want this message out in the world anymore? It's some, it's what I created, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's yeah. really, that's where the authority to take it back. There's, there's no really leg lies. to stand on in yeah. arguing with an artist to say that's like, right. fuck you, you yeah, need no, to you release this that book. Again. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's also rare because I think most artists thrive maybe a bit more on the notoriety. Or I don't like, know if it's that, but there's the, the idea that like censorship is always wrong, right? Mm. Like I, there was, um, I don't know where this quote came from, but it, uh, I'm going to misquote it, but it's something like, like literature or movies or whatever has never made someone a killer. It's just made someone maybe a more interesting killer, mm. right? Like whoever's going to shoot up a school is going to shoot up a school, but if they shoot up a school in a way that was inspired by rage, it just means rage inspired the fact that he shot his algebra teacher first. Yeah, it helped, right? helped with the plan or something yeah. like that versus it was a, the major contributing force. Yeah, I, I mean, I see that. But yeah. the way this book is written, though, right, the the kind of interior monologue that we get of the, the main character, 
it, you know, there's, he says a lot of things that, you know, I, I could see that if you were potentially considering something like that might be the, you know, not to say the straw that broke the camel's back, but it could, could be something where you go, yeah, this might be doable. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I think like you said, somebody's going to do it. They're going to do it. They're waiting for whatever impetus to push them over the hill anyway. But, you know, if, if you're Stephen King and you go, well, this could be yeah. the impetus, yeah. maybe I don't want it out there. I get it. But, uh, yeah. I think maybe it's time to get it on. Think? <laughs> I think maybe it is. Should, should we get into Let's it? Let's get it on, get man. It on. Uh, that's what was originally titled. I wanted to read um, the first couple of paragraphs. Oh, about the squirrel? About the squirrel. <laughs> um, so, okay. No, I'm at the wrong section. Sorry. If you can hear these pages flipping, that's some ASMR right there. <laughs> Chapter one. The morning I got it on was nice. A nice May morning. We made it... What made it nice was that I kept my breakfast down and the squirrel I spotted in Algebra 2. I sat in the, fro in the row furthest from the door, which is next to the windows, and I spotted the squirrel on the lawn. The lawn of Placerville High School is a very good one. It does not fuck around. It comes right up to the building and says howdy. No one, at least in my four years at PHS, has tried to push it away from the building with a bunch of flower beds or baby pine trees or any of that happy horseshit. It comes right up to the concrete foundation and there it grows, like it or not. It is true that two years ago at a town meeting, some bag proposed that the town build a pavilion in front of the school, complete with a memorial to honor the guy who went to Placerville High and then got bumped off in one war or another. My friend Joe McKennedy was there, and he said they gave her nothing but a hard way to go. I wish I had been there. The way Joe told it, it sounded like a real good time. Two years ago. To the best of my recollection, that was about the time I started to lose my mind. Yeah. So, I'll start by saying, um, as someone who's read a lot of Stephen King, I feel like it's no surprise that this is written by Stephen King. Like, it's not okay. surprising that people looked at these books and eventually went... Yeah, that's Stephen King. Okay, and part of the, that's part of the reason why I wanted to read from that first chapter because I feel like I'm trying to stuff my book someplace. I feel like Stephen King, as a writer who I love, by the way, uh, has never found a, a literary digression that he didn't want to go down. Yeah, yeah. And there's He's a, a few of those. There's a few, like, yeah. and, but but I think his talent, especially early on, uh, was his ability to go down a digression like squirrels and lawns and lawns that come right up and say fucking howdy or whatever. Yeah. But then loop it back around again to like this story about his buddy and, uh, and how right around the time where that story happened was about the time he started to lose his mind mm -hmm. and him losing his mind is an important part of this book. Um, but yeah, no, I just, it's a very, it's a very Stephen King. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I guess I'm maybe not as aware of that, but uh, I, I do I do think there's quite a few instances of that in the book where it's kind of these these out and backs, I guess you, you could mm -hmm. say, as far as how these tangents go, because they, they do often lead back right back into a point yeah. um, that is pertinent to, to the story. So, yeah, kind of interesting literary device. And, and they're not, like, sometimes they're kind of humorous mm -hmm. in a sense, and sometimes they're profound. Uh, in terms of kind of some of the background and, and knowledge about the character and that kind of stuff, right? So they're uh, they're very um, helpful to the plot mm -hmm. as well as a nice little diversion from the 
kind of current proceedings, right? Yeah, and I find myself thinking that it, it gives us a picture of sort of how Charlie's brain works and how his perspective works. Mm-hmm. And it feels, there's like an almost ADHD feel to the way he's narrating and to, like we're looking at a lot, at least early on, of very short chapters, yeah. like short, abrupt. Here's this burst of this. Here's this burst of this. Here's this burst of this. Mm-hmm. And it does feel like someone who's like bouncing from a squirrel to that to this to yeah. right all right so yeah chapter one mm-hmm. he's he's losing his mind yeah so that's you know we're off to a bad start i guess for the rest of the students in the, in the school potentially yeah. right yeah. um you know the the title being rage and all it's uh we know things are not looking up here um yeah so chapter two i think he's still just kind of watching the he's watching the squirrel during algebra he talks a bit about um, stomach issues. Yeah, his I've difficulty got, keeping I've his got IBS down. with a question right, yeah. mark at this point in the book because I'm kind of like, what's going on here? Is it stress or is it you know he just kind of has this condition? And I feel like there was a period, sort of in the in the 80s, maybe 70s, maybe 90s, where there was this association, right or wrong, I have no idea, between like psychopathy and nausea. Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether it's, you know, like people who were like crazy in that way are also anxious and whatever in ways that would upset their stomach or whether it, right. it became the physical a, manifestation of these, yeah. these broken thoughts. But or, I just yeah. remember reading a number of things where like somebody who either was already like a mass murderer or was about to become a mass murderer would complain about nausea or, you right. know, feeling ill or whatever. I don't know if it's connected to that or if, hmm. you know. Interesting. So chapter two, the big thing here is he gets called out of class to go to the office. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's kind of, uh, that's, that's pretty much it, right? We, the chapters are pretty short. Exactly. So kind of yeah. keep moving along here, right? So chapter three, he's walking to, um, uh, to the office, but he's got to go to the bathroom. His stomach is now unsettled, yeah. right? As opposed to chapter one when it was kind of, uh, it was, it was fine. Um, so he's got his little Ritz crackers. Yeah. Uh, he's got a little, little, uh, diatribe there about how everyone can hear what you're doing in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. There's no, no secrets in there. Uh, and I have, <laughs> took me a second to actually place this part of the story, but I have reminiscences about panties. Yes. I have that too. <laughs> Thinks of Sandra's panties. Yes. I've got that note. Cause he has this little aside about, uh, you know, when he was, uh, at the dance there with Sandra and her button came undone yeah. and he could see her, her good girl panties, right? Cause right. They're Cause white, they're white, white, yeah. her good girl panties. Yeah. Against her flat stomach. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Rippling as she danced. <laughs> this is not foreshadowing, foreshadowing per se, but Sandra is in algebra too. That's right. We, you're we right. We will kind of not hear too much from her later, but she's, she's kind of in, in the mix. Oh man, I forgot about that. And now yeah. it makes me wish I was, I, I, <laughs> I would be reading her character differently if I knew that she was the underpants character. Yeah, yeah. Well, because she is still, I think he mentions later on that she is a good girl, right? Compared to maybe mm-hmm. some of the other girls in the class. Um, the last thing he does in the bathroom, he kind of looks in the mirror and he's he's looking pretty rough. He's got circles in his big eyes. Big dark circles pale, under his eyes. And, you know, just kind of all, all intents and purposes looking kind of rough. And uh, so he writes, uh, he was going to do some longer graffiti. And uh, after seeing how rough he's looking, he just sticks with a quick eat shit, which <laughs> somehow he breaks his pen and then he heads to the office. So. You know, you can't go wrong with the classics, <laughs> yeah, can yeah, you? That's right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, then he gets to the office and he's got a nice little um, 
thought about uh, the the typewriter room, which is next to the office, yep. and how it's all never quiet. And um, the, I can't remember what does it remind him of. Um, I can't I can't remember. I didn't I didn't know it down I don't here. Know it, I'm sorry. No, but it reminded of of some other ceaseless racket yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, one of his dad's buddies is Al. There. Yeah, selling textbooks, and it's a little awkward between them. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it it's it's you're kind of the first hint I think, other than what Charlie said himself, that he's he's becoming something. He's he's going through something. He's maybe ill. Yeah. He's maybe I don't want to say deranged, but like. People are scared of him. People a are scared bit. of him, and yeah. and Al is as well. Yeah. Al, uh, he's selling textbooks. Um, well, we find out. I've got this note. So somewhere in their discussion, I think it's more internal to Charlie, but we find out he had some kind of incident with a teacher, and fucked, yes, him, that's fucked right. him up pretty good. Yes, with a pipe yeah. wrench or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that that is why Al's maybe looking at him a little funny. That's true and too. A little, yeah, a little concerned, yeah. right? Because uh, yeah, he's definitely now got that reputation of being maybe a little unhinged yeah and that is that there's that sort of shadow over things because even you know up to as far as we've read so far they've not covered that story no. there's been a few hints towards yeah, it like we so we read to chapter 20 yeah and there hasn't been really much like it's hinted at yeah right and you kind of know um there is a, a spot where we find out that it was fairly serious right the guy was in the hospital and all yeah. that but talking about picking bits out of his brain or yeah, whatever yeah yeah but we don't really know what incited it or what the circumstances yeah. around this is, yeah. incident were we're coming into this story um as far as getting it on in a major way yeah. rather than whatever that incident was with the chemistry teacher but you know the it's been 2 years coming in a sense right he's he's been losing his mind for a while but people are now suspicious, right? His dad's friends, the you know the principal, people are giving him, pardon me, giving him kind of the side eye and are wary of him. So it, it's out there now, yeah. even though maybe it's been a slow build. Um, but yeah, even through the first twenty chapters, we don't really find out too much of the background. So it's it's a, it's still a mystery. It's which I like. still hovering yeah. over it. Yeah. Um, so as he's waiting to see the principal, and uh, Al is madly attempting to avoid communicating with him <laughs> um he he drifts into memory mm-hmm. and he has this memory of uh, of going camping with his dad uh and al al was there a bunch of his dad's buddies a bunch of his dad's buddies and in this memory he's he wakes up in the middle of the night he's in the tent takes a minute to sort of orient himself and know where he's at he has to pee wickedly like real bad yeah. but he's also his dad and all of his dad's buddies are all drunk they're all sitting around the fire and he is nine, I think, about this time. He's nine, yep. And he's scared. Yeah. Well, they're they're loud. They're, they're lousing. Loud. They're telling stories that are fucked you know, up. Yeah, yeah, a little fucked up. Like he hears some shit about yep. the what do they call it? The Cherokee nose job. The Cherokee like, nose job. So you know, they, it's pretty scary when you they nine. they get talking about what they would do to their wives if they had an affair, or mm-hmm. to the person that fucked their wife yeah. if they had an affair. And uh, Charlie's dad tells the story of the Cherokee nose job, yeah. which is where, you know, he, he takes a knife and you slit the nose of the offending female. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I put down the exact quote. Well, it's something like, so she'd have a vagina on her face. Basically, yeah. So, so, so they so know the whole, what so got her in everyone trouble. Everyone would yeah. know what got her in trouble. Yeah. And... Um, I mean that's 
pretty problematic mm-hmm. by definitely by today's standards. Um, but it, there's just there's this there's this kind of already this hint of aggression of anger of whatever in Charlie's dad mm-hmm. um, and, and fear and from fear Charlie. from Charlie. Charlie is definitely afraid of it. Um, not maybe not so much in terms of the content of their story, although I'm sure that would be traumatizing yeah. to a nine year old the the Cherokee nose job. But yeah, just. You know, he sees the shadow of his dad holding up a knife, right? His dad you know, yes. unsheaths his knife and is yeah. waving it around. And so, you know, you're a nine-year-old kid. You just want to go take a piss. And your dad's drunk waving a knife around talking about cutting up noses and whatever. And yeah. Cutting off bits of the of the offending man. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. And he cut off the genitals of, of the guy in, in the scenario. So, you know, you're a little concerned, I think, as a nine-year-old. So... Um, definitely this flashback focuses in on the first hints of that relationship he has with his father, which we find later is, is kind of a driving force in, yeah. in a sense. Uh, and, and it's to, also to, not a great relationship. Yeah, exactly. So that's our first blush at it. And it's, you know, not maybe the best picture. Exactly. And we start to get at that understanding of, you know, why he's afraid at least, right. Or if there's fear that's driving him yeah. partly. Yeah. So he, he does manage to sneak out of the tent. He takes his whiz. He comes back into the tent. Um, snaps back to uh, present day. Gets called into the principal's office. Um, we learn that uh, Charlie has been in some amount of therapy. has been talking to a psychiatrist. Yes, Don Grace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems like the... And, and this is all connected to what you were talking about, the... Um, whatever happened with that, attack, that science yeah. teacher. Yeah, apparently the principal tells him that he'll... The John Carlson is the, the science teacher, yeah. and he'll be back to school in a month. So he's yeah. out of the hospital. He's still recovering. So yeah. this was quite the beating. This was a big deal. Right? This was serious, yeah. And uh, he was in a coma or something like that for a while. And yeah, so... But he's, he's on the mend. He'll be back to school in a month. So... Uh, and I think... It's not explicit, but the principal does tell him that he's got the report, yeah. you know, from from Mr. Grace, the, the counselor, the school psychiatrist. So, like, there's been an investigation. He's just been going to school. He hasn't been suspended that we know of, uh, right? But this is kind of the, the, hey, we've got the report. Now it's time to talk about it kind of yeah. speech with the, with the and, principal. And it's... It, it's not sounding great. Like Mm-mm. they want to send him to Green Mantle or yeah, whatever the it is. Reformatory school, yeah. which, you know, back in the seventies, you know, sixties reformatory schools were still like, you know, that's kids are getting beat. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like this these are places where, you know, you hear horror stories of uh, you know, the soap and the socks and uh, you know, kids getting really messed up and like hardcore places, right? So you can understand why any kid would be a little alarmed at having to go to uh, a reformatory school. But Charlie seems to have kind of made his peace with going to reformatory school. He's kind of whatever you want to do, like I'll take it, you know, even though he seems to have another plan in mind. Yeah, I think he's made his peace with the inevitability of whatever's about to happen, mm-hmm. including what happens later. Yeah. Um, well, you know, even the fact that he's saying like, like that's when I started to lose my mind yeah. early on. He and it comes up even in his discussion with the principal, where he, you know, he asked the principal outright, like, "You can't handle me. Like, how do you think you could even handle me?" Um, so he knows he's outside the constraints of normal society or normal psychology. Like, he's realized that he doesn't fit in. 
uh, right? So part of that, I think, is accepting that, yeah, they're going to send me all over the place because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not going to fit here or, or into a regular school. Yeah. I, I did find myself wondering whether or not if he hadn't been called to the principal's office, if they hadn't had this confrontation, would everything that came later have still happened? I mean, that's that's a good question. It feels like this right? conversation with the principal where he, he flips and all of a sudden he's aggressive. He's yeah. throwing shit at the principal. Like, that's the first moment where he really begins getting it on. Well, I mean, I, I think part of it, though, is that there has been an other incident, right? So he has lashed out before mm-hmm. with, yeah, for with sure. the chemistry teacher, sure. right? So there, that break is maybe already in progress. Um, so I think similar to our discussion about why the book was banned, right? This is an inciting incident for sure, but it was going to come no matter okay. what. Sure. I think, right? Like he's, he's brought the gun to school. Oh, sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> right. He's brought a gun to school, right? Like he's, he's going to do something at yeah. some point, whether this conversation happened or not. Right. But this does kind of kick it off and it kicks off kind of the psychological aspect of the book. Because he really flips the script on the principal. Yes. And he really gets after the principal psychologically, right? He kind of breaks them down, talking about panty raids. And, yeah, yeah. You know, like talking about his his schooling and how he's been as a as an educator. And he's been a stuff. deviant too. Yeah, right. right? And he, he, he uh, he's really, and, you know, we see this later on in the book, like he's really good at, at twisting people and, and at getting them to break in a sense. And that's kind of part of what's driving him to get it on. That's, that's part of getting it on. Yes, exactly. Uh, in, in his kind of terms is, is playing these games with people where he really gets after them and needles until they break and, and that kind of thing. And it starts right here with this principal who thinks he's, you know, just delivering this news to Charlie and then gets kind of fucked with. Yeah. And then Charlie really gets him at oh, the end fuck, of this yeah. conversation. <laughs> he like, he unzips his pants, pulls out his shirt and comes stumbling out of the office declaring, uh, did I write it down? Basically that he tried he, to rape yeah, him. Yeah, he tried to rape him. Yeah. I wish I'd had the quote there, but yeah. yeah, he basically accuses the principal of trying to rape him. The yeah. principal comes out and is just like speechless. He can't. Because what's he going to say? Charlie has gone so far beyond the yeah. norm. That this guy just cannot, he's just flapping his gums. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Charlie just is like, he wanders off, off yeah. to his locker. Yeah. Um, where well, he, he, he tucks himself all he does, yeah, he does, he's he's walking does, away. Da, da, da. And, you know, My he, work here is and done. And he's happy with himself, yeah. oh, right? Yeah. Which which is kind of part of this, you know, his his idea, you know, that we, we don't fully have it yet, but he has this, this thing called getting it on, yeah. which is... You know, we, it's fucking with people, it's doing whatever, and he's he's starting it, right? And he's feeling good about himself. He's like, all right, you know, I'm getting it on. I, I, you know, I did this with the principal, right? He couldn't say shit. He's walking away all happy with himself. And, and you're right, that that was the thing that now he's like, all right, now, 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 it's, we, now, now it's, we're going to do it. Now right? it's time for phase two. Yeah, we're going to yeah. keep getting it on. So time to stop by his locker. Yeah. <laughs> um, he rips up his books, throws them in a in a garbage can. I think at the bottom of his locker? Just at the bottom of the yeah. locker, yeah. He's got um, some ratty gym clothes and stuff. Ratty gym it. clothes. Lots of kindling type items. He, uh, but it, it was, I loved this bit and I didn't write down what it was, but like he talked about how like he ripped all of his textbooks in half and how they were so easy to rip. Except, except for, for this one. one specific one. Yeah. And it made me wonder because Stephen King did work as a high school teacher for quite a while. Oh, did he? Before he was okay. a published writer. 
Um, whether or not he just knew something about which about which textbooks were, were harder to fucking destroy. <laughs> if that's like a fun detail that was stuck yeah. in there. I don't know. I like to pretend it is. Um, there's like a rotting uh, an apple an apple core that's like turning a nice shade of brown. Yeah, that he, he was kind of almost saving right as a little experiment. Uh, and then this is where we also find out that he's got uh, he's got a box of ammo in his he's locker. Got a box of ammo and a right? gun and a gun, right? And these are the right shells, right? He switched out the shells that were originally in the box yes. for the shells that are going to go with his dad's gun. Um, so you know we've we know he's got the ammo and the gun, and we're and we know like he just set fire to his locker. We yeah. know it's now it's on. It's on, right? It is now on. And also got a note. He brings his padlock with him. Right. Yeah. Um, and this conversation with the padlock is one of my favorite things. Like, um, I can't remember the name of the brand is, but it's like, you know, it's, uh, Titus, Titus, Titus yes, the helpful Titus. padlock. And he's, he's picking it up. He's like, Titus, you fucker, you yeah. old cock knocker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, again, those are some very Stephen King esque phrasings of things. But also kind of fits in with like the youthful psychology of it, right? That he would, you know, yeah, and also have this, this like, little conversation this crazy with guy padlock, right? who's yeah. Just, yeah, just hanging out with his, yeah. his uh, historic padlock. You know, we go way back, me <laughs> and him. Yeah. Um, and he, he pops it in his pocket. Yeah. Well, he throws it away first. He does. And then he's he like, does. oh, Titus, you, you shouldn't be in the car. He takes the lock back. Titus, come on, man. Yeah. You and me, we got history. So he brings it with him. Uh, he leaves his, his um his locker blazing there's this this well he shuts the door so he, the fire is yeah, kind of right. smoldering in the yeah. locker but smoke is already starting to kind of come out of the vents at the top and his name tag is starting to yes you yes. know peel away or you can't see the letters anymore like you know there, there's a good fire going in there mm-hmm. uh but he's got the gun he's got his padlock he heads off yeah he's back now to he's class. going back to class yeah Opens the door, walks in. The chapter teacher, nine. Chapter nine. I'm not. I did not write any of these chapters okay. down. Uh, I have weird breaks just to sort of show the rough progress of things. But the chapters were too short for me to make. They note were. Of. Yeah. Um, he walks in. The the, the teacher is something kind about of mid lesson. Yeah, something about like when you change the variables, the axioms remain the same. Yeah. She turns to Charlie and asks him if he has a hall pass or an office pass. And he does. But he does. Not the kind of pass she's expecting. He, he takes the gun out of his pocket, shoots her in the head, and. Uh... Which, cinematically, I think, you know, not that I'm, con- pardon me, condoning school shootings or anything like that, but the, hey, do you have an office pass? And go, yeah, I do. And he pulls out a gun <laughs> and, and shoots her. Like, cinematically, I could see that being kind of a cool scene. Yeah. Um, and I get why he kind of wrote it. And that I'm, way. I'm now foreseeing. This podcast eventually inspiring somebody to <laughs> do that exact shooting, which means we would have to pull this podcast. We're gonna have off to the pull air. this down. Yeah, we'll have to self censor our our podcast that talks about censorship. <laughs> oh, the but, irony! Uh, but yeah, so this is the first the first kill yeah. of the book, right? He shoots his his uh, algebra teacher, um, and it's it's kind of stunned silence. Right? Yeah, he remarks that like if somebody in that moment had screamed something like, "Oh my God, he's going to kill us all!" There'd be this stampede. People would have overtaken him. And it probably, he wouldn't have gone through with anything. Exactly. Yeah. But it, instead, there's this weird silence. Mm-hmm. And he's able to just walk up to the front of the class. He, like, kind of kicks the teacher's yeah, feet out from under the chair. Yeah, feet are in the way of him sitting down comfortably at the desk. <laughs> yeah. so he's got to kind of shove the body over. And, uh, and so he sits down and is like, you know, hey, everybody. Yeah. Let's kinda, get it on. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm, t- I'm getting it on. Yeah. Yeah. 
so this this is kind of another aside where he gets into now, right? He starts talking a little bit about you know society and how you know logic and sanity are not too far away from. And I, I didn't write many quotes down or, or anything for this, but he he goes on this little tangent of you know that the the worst of us or the, the you know the people that are not normal are not that far away uh, from the the logic and sanity, right? And even he himself, he describes himself as a perfectly sane guy mm-hmm. with just one wheel that's gone wonky or something like that, right? So it's this this weird aside where in that moment of, you know, really getting it on now, I mean, it, it, you know, the stuff he's done up to this point, you know, yeah, he attacked a teacher, set his locker on fire, right? Nothing that, you know, is, is not going to potentially be un you know, overcomable, but now he's murdered a teacher. Right? Yeah. He, he's oh, yeah. in it now. Ne- right? Next level. So now, now. he's, yeah. he's, he's thinking about kind of what got him here, I think. Right. And that, and that's what this, this little aside goes, goes off on. Um, and then he kind of relives this moment, uh, in his mind a little bit. And he talks about the roulette wheel and how that yes. moment where the ball is bouncing, right. Anything could happen. Anything can right? happen. And that's kind of the moment that he's living in right now or that the class is living in uh, is that they're waiting for the ball to drop, right? It's that anticipatory moment uh, of not really knowing. And, and he even says that, you know, he kind of still to this day thinks that that moment is still going on in in some sense. Right. So like he's never really left that moment, which I thought was kind of an interesting take on it. Yeah. Cause he's clearly, he's clearly, pardon me. The, the tone is that he's looking back on this. Um, you know, from, from kind of, he's made it through and he's looking back at what had happened. Um, that's the, the kind of sense of the, the tone from the, the storytelling perspective. So to, to say that he's still kind of in that moment and it's that profound for him as to where things could go was, was really interesting to me, but yeah, nobody does anything. Yeah. Nobody in the class, right? I mean, I I don't know in the seventies, uh, how prevalent school shootings were probably not really prevalent I, you know i meant to actually google when like the first kind of real school shooting happened and i didn't um but yeah i think i mean when i know i went to i went to school in the you know the late 70s early 80s and i don't remember it having been a thing well we also went to school in canada that's so, true you know, that's true le- so there could be smaller yeah exactly there could um, be smaller yeah. i mean exactly because once it's big enough it will bleed into the the country right yeah but a smaller shooting might not. Yeah, right. And most likely, and again, just pure speculation here, earlier school shootings were probably beefs with other students rather than right. I'm going on a murderous right. rampage, you're just going to kill as many as I can kind of thing, right? Like that's that's what I would imagine. Even even this book in a sense, right? He's really kind of got a grievance more against authority rather than his yes. fellow students. Yes, exactly. Right? So it's more, you know, he took out the teacher. It almost feels like the teacher is like um, like a necessary casualty Yeah, to his needs, end goal. It's he needs not... to get her out of the way yeah. to, to fuck with more authority. To get it on. Right. Yeah, and he tells the class. He straight up tells the class, hey, this is me. I'm getting it on. We're yeah. getting it on. They, they don't really know what he means per se, but, you know, he's essentially announcing to them, that he's going to be fucking with people. That's what's going on. Um, and this is uh, death number two, I think. Yeah, so... Um, fire alarm goes fire off. Fire alarm goes off. Uh, people are running around out in the halls. 
panic, chaos. No one really knows what's going on. Um, there's a there's a teacher who pops open the door of the classroom that Charlie's in to say like, evacuate, get out of the school. Something's on yeah. fire. And he takes Char- a shot at him. Well, first of all, he's just like, get out. Yeah. And of course, the teacher isn't listening to this kid. He's like, you know, come out. Da, 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 da. Charlie takes a shot at him. Yeah, and he misses. Misses, pings off the corner of the door frame. The guy still doesn't leave. But the, the teacher almost doesn't, I think he said, like, he doesn't really realize he's been shot at. Yeah, I mean. Right? He just momentarily, he's kind of like, here's a noise. But, you know, he's in this kind of teacher mode of, like, I got to get the students out. And that's, you know, like, he, you know, getting shot again, at him just he, doesn't even fit in with that. But you got to think that, A, like, this is at a time when people didn't get shot at in school. Yeah, so yeah. there's that. And also, from everything I've heard, and I, I've, I don't know if I've ever heard an actual gunshot, but. From everything I've heard, it's actually quieter than you expect it to be. It's pretty loud. Is it? Pretty loud. Okay. Yeah. Well, then I'll cut this bit. because <laughs> We'll, we'll go out shooting sometime. Okay, sure. You'll, uh, you'll, <laughs> we're, we're bringing ear protection for okay. a reason. All right. Uh, but pretty loud. Um, but I think just the fire, the alarm's going. So, yeah, probably not as noticeable yeah. uh, You know, with all of that going on. But I think that the teacher mode of, like, I got to heard the students and we got to do this. So he, he, he gets shot at, doesn't even hardly phase him. And then he just launches back into, Hey, we need to get, you know, you need to get out of here. And, and then shot number two, uh, it's him in the throat. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some great, uh, visual descriptions here mm-hmm. by King talking about like how it's like a ripple in the water. Yes. The visceral the, the, kind of impact the, of the, the bullet. Spreading yeah. of it as he goes down gurgling. Yeah, no, it, I think very well, there's a good mix here of the internal monologue of Charlie, as well as some really interesting descriptions of the exterior world. Yeah. Um, and yeah, very, very good contrast there of, you know, we get Charlie's, all his thoughts and these tangents of, you know, his kind of wild thinking, but some real interesting um, descriptions of what's happening yes. physically while yes. this is going yeah. on, which is really, really cool. Um, so yeah, so now he's got another teacher down. Yep. Um, and at this point, I think he gets, uh, Ted, is this Ted Jones? Yes. Ted Jones to get up and close and lock the door because now he knows people can just come in here and and interrupt our attempt to get it on. He's trying to get it on. Yeah. Yeah. So Ted close and lock the door. And this might not be the first, this probably isn't the first reference to Ted, but it might be the first time that like Shirley asks Ted to do something. And we're starting to get this hint of there's a tension between Ted yes. and Charlie. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's later on where we get, but Ted is kind of the golden boy. Yes, you know of the school, and I don't know if we've already he's mentioned that or not, or or if it just happens right yeah. at this moment in the book. Uh, but yeah, Ted is kind of the you know the typical kind of popular jock, like yeah. perfect yeah. all American boy. But so, in the jock regard, it's important to note that at some point either here slightly later or slightly before we mentioned that he was like a big huge like he was going to be a football star mm-hmm. and then had to leave well he quit the team he quit the team yeah. said football wasn't for him exactly he can do other shit exactly time. yeah but there's also this hint that maybe there was more to it mm-hmm. right yep um uh, and then i've got a little note here that sandra so panties girl panties girl kind of ends this chapter with um her little quote saying it's like the end of the world 
So, like, it's starting to maybe dawn on the students a little bit. Because they've been sitting there in kind of stunned silence. They don't know what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they just saw their teacher get murdered. Charlie's kind of sitting up at the front of the class, lecturing them about it's time to get it on. You know, there's fire alarms going off. Like, you know, there's panic teachers. He shoots another teacher right in front of them. Nobody's really said anything yet, right? He's just kind of sitting up front of the class with his gun, you know, kind of holding court with these stunned kids. Uh, and then Sandra, of all people, is the good girl. Yeah. Is oh, it's like the end of the world, yeah. right? Which maybe for some of them it might be. We and, but that and that's the thing that I I kind of love a little bit. That's that feels a little bit quaint to me, because it's like in the post nine eleven, we're like people around the world watch the you know planes flying at the World Trade Centers. This seems like such a minute end of the world. You know what I mean? And and it does. It, this but is, this is still the generation that would be fresh from World War II. The that's what I'm saying. It's like it's it's kind of adorable that we're reading the story from a time when that could be what the end of the world was. Mm-hmm. Right? We're so much more fucked up now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right? true. Yeah, that's that's my point. Um. So then we get into why Charlie thinks that the kids didn't flee or didn't say anything. Yeah, okay. Right, and he kind of has this little aside about how, and I think he does say American children rather than children in general, but they're so accustomed to violence, right? So from the news, from films and TVs, and, you know, they're even even in the schoolyard, right? Like, you know, you're getting beat up at recess or whatever. Yeah, like you're, yeah. You're seeing violence, you know, at that time, I guess, you know, kid more common for schoolyard fights and that kind of stuff. Uh, and then, you know, you got to think the time would be, you know, dirty, hairy movies and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And in the seventies where, you know, they're seeing this violence uh, and they're just used to it. Right. So when it, pardon me, when it stops, starts happening in real life, you know, their brains are kind of going, Oh, this is just like a movie. Like yeah. it's not really happening to me. It's not um, that immediate thought of like a fight or flight isn't happening because it's so tuned in with entertainment that they're seeing on a regular basis. And that's kind of what he attributes everyone's willingness. It's not just entertainment though. It's also like the casual cruelty of the children of the era. Mm -hmm. Like the, the, I think the fights on the playground, the, the, the casual, they live with violence. They live with violence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which I think is just a result of growing up in that era. And that's again, like where this is really a story of its time. I don't know that, there's that same kind of maybe it is i have no idea yeah the other thing i like about this is that he does mention that he thinks they also might just be curious about who will be next right like there's that oh he shot mrs underwood right. he shot the other guy right. mr vance who's going to be next like what what's he going to do like there there's this anticipation of like well this guy's going off the deep end what's he going to do like strap in give me some popcorn i want to find out right um and so i think that coupled with the real life violence in the schoolyard plus the entertainment violence right it gets them wondering like what is going to happen right there's just that natural curiosity more than the alarm and the fight flight kind of reaction uh, and then there's also, we hear fire trucks and ambulance in the distance as well. Mm-hmm. Now the fire department arrives, um, they start kind of setting up on the, uh, 
on the lawn in front of the school, all within view of the window, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. They're watching. They've the got a great on, yeah. view. Charlie's got a great view of whoever's approaching the school, yeah. right? He can see the there's one police car so far. The fire trucks are there. Like he can see everything that's going on outside. So they're, the, you know, they're not really in the best position for you know if they're trying to enter the school. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, yeah. you know, approach him with the element of surprise. Um, but yeah, so he he can kind of see. Um, they're, they've got all the, the other students are out on the lawn. They've been evacuated from the school. Um, and, but in the classroom, everything is, is kind of calm. Like nobody's really saying it. Nobody's freaking out. Um, he, Charlie tells them, yeah, you guys, you know, do whatever you want. Like, you know, just nobody go, nobody go to the door. If you want to like go sit next to your best friend, whatever. Right. There's a few people, like one of them sparks up a cigarette. Somebody else like stretches out and relaxes. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're having a decent enough time. Um, and I don't know if someone asks him kind of what's going on or something like that, but Charlie does say, I've got this little quote where he just says, well, I guess I'm going berserk. Yes. You know, like, well, yeah. Hey, what are you up to here, Charlie? Like, what's your plan? Is That's like, a oh, great line. I guess I'm going berserk. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's almost too cool and sane sounding to really exactly. fully capture exactly. what's happening. Right. My next note is that the principal comes on the intercom. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I don't to know too many Charlie schools down. that have two-way intercoms. In yeah, every classroom, that's right? that's interesting, right? Yeah. yeah, I don't think that's a thing anymore. No, probably not anymore. But at the time, we do find out that the intercom can be switched yes. from talk listen to just listen only. Which again is an interesting moment. Um, this is again. I, I don't. I don't have too many details about this conversation, but it's very much a. Um, Charlie pushing back against authority. Mm-hmm. Charlie pushing back against the man. That's kind of right. thing. Well, I mean, he's already broken down. So it's the principal that chimes in first. Yeah. Um, and Charlie's already fucked with him, right? Yeah. He's already yeah, kind of exactly. broken this man a little bit already earlier in the morning. So he's he's got the upper hand already in this conversation. And he, he kind of just continues to take him down a bit of a, a peg, right? Um, by, you know, we call him by his first name, making him... Uh, cause he, the principal would call Charlie Decker, like yeah. his last name. Hey Decker, what are you doing? He goes, don't call me that. Right. Call me Charlie. Right. And I'm going to call you Tom and just, Oh, I think it's a little bit later. Uh, it, no, it's part of this conversation here where he okay. says, All I'm, right. I'm going to call you Tom. Oh yeah. Okay. Right. Where he's, he's taking out those societal constraints of authority and teacher student. And he's yeah. just, Hey, I'm going to talk to you as, as an, an equal, equal yeah. or even, you're beneath me in a sense, right? Yeah. In terms of how he kind of plays around with these conversations. So, um, but yeah, he does roll call, right? The principal wants to know who's in the class. Yes. So he takes out the teacher's list and yeah. starts reading the roll call. And there's one kid. Absent and... and the principal is like, you know, is he dead? Yeah. No, he's just sick. He's, today. Just sick like... today. he's got measles or something. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, and so more police are showing up outside. Uh, and, and he, you know, the, the principal is kind of saying, well, they're going to, you know, come after you. And, and then Charlie's like, nope, you know, no tear gas. No, not go tell him to stay away yeah. or I'm going to, I'm going to shoot somebody. Right. You know? And so he definitely, uh, he's obviously taken two lives already. So there's some seriousness to that. Um, and um, yeah, there's, there's some conversation here. I've got some notes about how he's, he's, you know, trying to get across the point that, for the principal, he needs to understand the difference between people and files 
and yes. that he's not doing a good job of that understanding, even though he's been an educator, right? That he doesn't understand that people are more than just a file and that kind of thing. Um, and then, and I, I really think that in those moments, in moments like that, um, and also other moments that I'll mention in the future, but this is where the book is at its best. Mm-hmm. Is it's these concepts of um, the 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 students versus the authority, the authority almost like treating the students with contempt, not seeing them as people, seeing them as numbers. These are interesting conversations to have about the kind of systems that we have in place with schools and with school administrators or whatever else, right? And I think these are the moments where I would have an argument for seeing this book in publication. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of very interesting... Um, aspects of not not even you know why are you um, following this this kind of cookie cutter conversation with with your students you know why are you, why can't you treat them as people right it's a it's an interesting kind of concept that as you just said right it, it's worth that discussion of if we take away the inhumanity of it or the you know hey this is just a person in the file they you know, they have good grades or they have bad grades or they, you know, messed up or, you know, there's black marks or whatever. But, hey, what is this person going through? What are they feeling? And I think that's part of why Charlie is getting it on, right? Mm-hmm. Is he feels that he's never been understood. Yeah. Or that, and I think he even says it to the principal that, you know, you can't understand me, right? And as maybe a mark on being so cookie cutter and in that bureaucratic authoritarian kind of um, sense where you can't really treat people as people, right? It's just not part of the machine. And yeah, I definitely agree that part of this book pokes a lot at that. Yeah. Right. And definitely worth talking about. Mm -hmm. So there's more stuff here with Ted, right? Charlie's kind of keeping an eye on Ted Jones. Ted is, Starting to act a little wonky here, right? So are we off the intercom yet? I think, yeah, I think we're off the intercom, right? So we're off the intercom, and um, and so I wanted to mention, because you brought this up yourself, um, there's that moment where they they need to talk amongst themselves, and a kid is like, you mean like where they can't hear us? And Charlie's like, yes. And he mentions, you got to turn off the intercom. And this is the first moment, I think, where it feels like the classroom is either on Charlie's side if not on his side, at least like wanting to see how this plays out. They're giving him some rope to play yeah, with. Right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and this is a moment where Ted Jones is a little bit pissed off. Cause he's like, yeah. why would you do that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and again, it, it feels like Ted Jones is the one who is like the only one who wants this to end. Yeah. Or, or wants it to end violently, perhaps like, you know, to take Charlie down. In that sense, right? yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't think he wants to end it in violence, just for violence. But yeah, no, no. he would like to see Charlie taken down. Yeah. Everyone else, for is sure, more along for the ride, for sure. And, yeah. Hey, if it ends, it ends. But yeah, Ted Jones is like we said, he's kind of the golden boy, right? He, I think we get the hint that he fancies himself maybe a bit of a hero, and certainly later on, yes, we kind of yes. see that. Um, but and then I do have a note here that aside from Charlie keeping an eye on Ted Jones, I, there's. I can't remember i didn't write down which but there's a girl in the class because they ask him you know a few times why he's doing this and what his plan is and that kind of thing through these chapters 
And then there's a girl that pipes up here and says, well, maybe it's your parents. Right? Yes. Maybe, maybe that's what's driving. Yeah. And that kind of leads us into now he's going to start talking about his parents. Yeah, this is the next bit of conversation. And now. he just he just really opens up about yep. it. Like he, he frankly tells the class all these stories about his, his parents, right? It was yep. really interesting and kind of cool and honest. You know, this this guy who's just shot some teachers is like, yeah, this is what happened when yeah. a parent with my parents when yeah. I was a kid. You know, maybe really it's your parents who yeah. made you do that. And he's like, yeah, maybe it was. Yeah, here's this story about the creaking yeah, like, thing. I'm going to tell you this story, and then you can yeah. kind of determine if it was my parents or not. So we get to the story of the creaking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, Charlie thinks he's about three years old. Yeah, in bed, he wakes up. Uh, it's dark. There's like a full moon. There's like the fingers, the classic of, branches. Yeah, uh, bran- on the, the shadows window, of the branches yeah. of the window. Uh, and he hears this creaking thing moving down the hall. Yeah. And at first he thinks it's coming for him. Yeah. Uh, and then as it goes past his door, he thinks it's coming for his mother. Yeah. And his father. Uh, and then, and then he hears. Well, he realizes that the creaking is in his parents' room. Yes. Yeah. And, and we, we kind of figure out a little bit what the creaking noise actually is. So his parents are kind of going at it. Right, yes. But it's not going particularly well. No. Right? So we hear kind of, uh, you know, his mom say, like, you know, I don't care that you didn't finish or something like that. Right? Get off me. I'm done. I'm going to bed. Right? And then this is, you know, that little remark from his mom who, uh, you know, she got what she needed. Yeah, exactly. Going to bed. Um, uh, it, it, It associates for Charlie that his father is the creaking thing. Yes. Right? And I mean, they already, we know that relationship is not great to begin with, even though he's still rather young at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now he's got this nightmarish entity associated with his father on top of everything else. So we know that's not really going to be all that healthy for the, for the relationship. Yes. Right? So anyway, this he's, he's just told the class this whole little story about, you know, how he was young and, you know, now he... He kind of hates his father or thinks he's a monster. And, and they're, again, kind of like stunned silence. Like they don't really know yeah. how, how but to then, process these stories. Like almost immediately after we get the story of Charlie and the Storm Drain or the Storm Windows. The Storm Windows, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a little aside about more cops and stuff showing yeah. up. And, you know, he, um, uh, oh, sorry, he uh, he gets, Ted Jones gives him the finger. Oh, that's right. Right? It's like, shit. Like, you know, you little fucker or whatever. So Ted Jones is kind of losing his mind. Yeah. Yeah. Too. That's a good, yeah. good point. They're they're losing their minds yeah. mutually yeah. at each other. In almost. kind of different ways. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yes, then, you know, after that, then he breaks into the, the other the storm. So windows. Now he's four, I think. Four. The storm windows. His yeah. dad is like, it's preparing to put the storm windows on the house. And, and it's what you do in October. It is. Yeah. Um, if you don't do it, I don't know what's wrong with you. Uh, <laughs> and so his, his dad is systematically going through and like taking all the windows out and laying them against the house and getting everything all prepped. And there's just something about the day and the sun and how everything looks. It's a beautiful October day. Beautiful yeah. October day. No better day to break a bunch of fucking windows. Yeah. And I like how premeditated he is about it. Like he goes to the road. Right to the little the shoulder of the yep. road in front of the house, picks up, loads his pockets up like he loads them up with the ammo. Right? Yeah, until it looked like there's like a couple of what is it, fucking uh, ostrich quite, eggs, ostrich eggs, ostrich like eggs. That. Yeah. yeah, that his pockets were full of ostrich eggs. Right, waddles back over to the house. We don't really know what's going on with the dad because he's not kind of anywhere around the windows, and yeah, just kind of 
he he struggles at first, right? He misses. He misses the first time. He misses the first shot. And then I think he it's gets a little closer, bit closer. Yeah. Refocuses. Right, and... Yeah. But he gets he gets the game going, yeah. right? And he starts breaking. He's got a ton of ammo. He's breaking all one the, by one, right, going just, window yeah. to window. And his, who knows what his dad is doing? Because like you know, that's these a good are, point. I never never even thought to ask yeah. that question. I mean, his mom's in the house playing piano, which is. I guess loud enough to kind of mask yeah. the noise because Bach, at one, by the way, yeah, <laughs> very important. Is and Bach. at one moment, you know, he kind of he's at the window near his mom, and he kind of you know sees her, and they wave, and like so obviously she hasn't heard anything, right? And yeah, so he kind of gets around, and he gets to the very last window, and suddenly dad is back. Yeah, and he's not super happy. <laughs> no, um, comes barreling at him, yelling something, picks him up. Yeah, picks him up weird, like he. Yeah, grabs his, his ankle and, his and the arm yeah, yeah and then just fucking throws him at the ground yeah. and hard like, and he hard describes that it was so hard and knocked the breath out of him and yeah like, every time stunned. i read that section i remind myself like i it remember like a re- it was like a wrestling move it was of, yeah. but i remember as a kid like getting my breath knocked out of me at times yeah. that's not a thing i do as an adult which i'm grateful no. for because i remember feeling like i was about to die yeah. as i had my breath knocked out of me but like I can, I can feel that having yeah. been there. I can feel that experience. Yeah. And but I, I don't remember at four, like older. In oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? But I'm at four years old, getting that kind of physical, uh, kind of trauma, right? Like definitely would be. You wouldn't know how to process it, yeah. right? Which, which he doesn't. I mean, he's well, he can't breathe, right? He's he doesn't really know what's happening. He's he's shocked and. You know, he doesn't cry or anything immediately, right? Yeah. Because he's still in so much shock. Because he can't breathe. Yeah, and he can't breathe, yeah. Uh, but eventually, you know, and I think his dad's kind of still yelling at him. Well, stuff, at first right? his dad's like, oh my God, it's yeah. okay, yeah. it's okay. I didn't Don't... mean to or yeah. something. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But, but then, then once like, he starts screaming, yeah. yeah. <laughs> as soon as he's screaming and the mom can hear and dad knows he's in fucking trouble. Yeah. You little shit, whatever, shut up. <laughs> yeah. Mom comes out. Well, and mom comes out, and she's also, like, in kind of a very revealing outfit. Like, she's just wearing kind of a, a slip or something Yeah, like kind that. of, it's, like, I don't know, like a... I yeah. imagine, like, a sheer kind of see-through-y kind of nightgown type yeah, thing, exactly. right? Uh, and so, like, she's essentially out in the neighborhood, and so, you know, dad is, like, worried about what the neighborhood neighbors are going to think. We also already know what he would do, right, to somebody looking at his wife. Right, he's got the knife. He's got the knife. Uh, so anyway, he's worried about that. Um, he wants to beat, still beat the crap out of the kid. He's yeah. mad. Hey, he broke all the windows. Mom is intervening, right? She's no, I'm going to take him inside. You know, he's going to have hot chocolate or whatever, and we're going to talk about it. And he's like, "Don't you dare do that!" And so there's this this confrontation now between you know mom and dad, and she sends him away. Yeah, and she she kind of puts Carl, Charlie's dad, in his place a little bit here. She. You know, kind of gives him the what for. Yep. Tells him, I don't care what you do. Go drink with your buddies or something, but get the hell out of here. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, she kind of lays down the law a little bit and takes Charlie inside. Uh, and then uh, Charlie tells him that, uh, tells her that dad lied. Yes. Because right? I think dad says like, oh, he was already crying just out of exactly. fear when exactly. I caught him. Yes. Right. But but he he tells his mom, no, no, he, he hurt me pretty bad. He threw me on the ground and. Right, so now there's this whole thing. And, but he also mentions how powerful that made yes, him feel. Yes, right, because he got to throw his dad under the bus. Yes. There. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, and then he almost tells the class another story. 
right? He's got this little story about this time his friend swallowed a mouse. Right. And then threw it up, right? His mom, his friend's mom came up because she saw him swallow the mouse and is like, you know, put her hand down his throat and he threw it up. Yeah. But the interesting thing about this was his, his got a little note there about when he threw up the mouse, looking at the vomit, and then the mom threw up too, seeing her kids throw up. But he's got this thing about the mouse didn't look so bad. I guess all the other vomit. vomit. Right. So it's this thing of like, this nice by comparison yeah. right? and in this crazy situation in the classroom with the dead teacher and, you know, and then we have these little moments where he's interacting with the class, right? We get this whole yeah. kind of other meta version of nice by comparison, right? His, yeah. His conversation. We just his, had a really ugly conversation, yeah. but compared to everything else, That's right. this is actually kind of nice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he doesn't tell that story though. That's just internal. Yes. yes. About the nice by comparison. And then this is the point where, our golden boy, Ted, Ted Jones. Decides to try up. to disarm Charlie. That's right. Yeah. So Ted is, uh, he's he's making a stand. He stands yeah. up. Yeah. He's right? like, and he, but, and this is where I think Ted messes up. He tells Charlie what he's going to do. Right? Yeah. He's like, I'm going to come there and take that gun away from you. And, you know, he's trying to maybe threaten him or, I don't know, intimidate him a yeah. little bit or something yeah. like that. And Charlie, now we know, right, his getting it on is about fucking with people and yeah. messing with people. And he kind of stops him in his tracks because he asks him, kind of out of nowhere, like, "Hey, why'd you quit the football team?" Yeah, and this right. like just breaks yes. Ted's mentality because then we kind of find out the story of why he quit because another kid in the class whose mom is a bit of the town gossip told him all about it. So Ted's mom was an alcoholic, yeah. and you know had to go to detox or you know had to dry out yep. or whatever, and Ted had to help with yes. that, and he was forced actually to quit the football team, right? So, what well, forced in the sense that he had no other choice. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But I mean, what he presented to the other students was, you know, hey, I I'm doing this because I'm too cool for anything. Right, whatever, exactly. Right, but secretly, right, it's it's these kind of, you know, dark family secrets that nobody at the time really would want getting public. Yes, right? and and this is where the other point, where I think rage is really interesting, is in this whole sort of like high school drama side of things, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Everybody in high school is is terrified of of kind of being outed for whoever they are, whatever mm. that means. Everyone has secrets. Everyone is trying to like keep who they are private. Well, at least some parts, parts private, exactly. Yeah. And and there's always there's gossip about it. There's who's this, who's that, and and the way that this this the story is about kind of forcing or encouraging these people to out themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's where that Ted doesn't want to do that. And we'll see kind of soon and other characters kind of willfully out themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Ted doesn't want to. The situation itself, I think lends, uh, lends itself to the students wanting to discuss, like there's several points where students that are normally maybe quiet or more reserved or saying things or speaking up. Um, and I think the fact that, you know, Charlie is doing what he's doing is maybe giving them license or maybe the comfort that, Hey, this is a crazy situation. Yeah. yeah. I might as well do this thing or talk about this thing. Right. So, yeah, I think, I think there is that aspect of, well, you know, whether it's, because it's this little mini end of the world or whatever it is, right? That there's 
hey, I better get this off my chest. Yes. Yeah. Right? I've, I've, if I'm going to die, which I don't think the students are really processing yet at this point, but maybe there is subconsciously that kind of, well, if I'm going to die, i got to get stuff up, you know, that kind of confessional. I think to me it's more the, the, the getting it on environment that Charlie has created right. is allowing this kind of temporary reprieve of... Of judgment. Or, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. This is where Ted loses a lot of points with the class. Yes, he does. So, you know, the, the guy named Pigpen, uh, whose mother is the town gossip, kind of explains He's, everything. Yeah. And Ted kind of, you know, talks a little bit about it and, you know, kind of ends off by calling his mom a drunken bitch, which nobody in the class takes very well. So now whatever favor, you know, Ted has had with the class, he's kind of lost it, right? And everyone's kind of giving him sour looks. You know, even one girl gasps at him calling his mom a drunken bitch. Yeah. And so he's just, he's been taken down several pegs and he kind of just shuts up at this point, right? Whatever wind he had in his sails to try and, take charlie down he's lost it and he's kind of lost maybe the support of the class here right um and yeah it kind of fades into into silence ted is defeated and and then the intercom rings again yes and this is um don grace right this is mr mr school psychiatrist himself yes. What is the Don for the love of his grace or something like this school counselor? And apparently he's kind of a bit of a hotshot school counselor. Like he's the, Charlie describes him as a stud or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's the guy who gets kids to break. And, and so Charlie, I think he's kind of, he's out to get this guy, right? He's like, Oh, this psychologist guy, I'm going to fuck with him. Right. Like this, I think for him is, a lot more significant than breaking the principal. Oh yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. This principal this is, was easy. Yeah, principal was easy. This is the guy who yeah. he's like, well, he's he's the psychologist. This is what he does, but I'm going to get him, right? And uh yeah, I mean, he 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 lays into him, you know, like uh, it's, it, this is one of the neatest things in the book. I love this chapter you so know, much. I love this chapter so much. The the rapid fire yes. kind of conversation so, here. So basically what Charlie does is he says to to Don Grace, he says cuz Don is trying to ask him questions. Yeah. And so Charlie is like you're not going to ask me any questions. In fact, if you ask me a question, if you yeah. say something if that's you, a question, if you ask anything that I will seems I like will a shoot question. A yeah. Um and also Charlie then starts asking him questions yes. and he says, if you lie or I catch you in a lie, I will, I will kill shoot someone. someone. So there's, there's now this pressure on, on Mr. Stud yeah. psychiatrist here to really play this. And out. this is again, a moment where we get another reference to let's get it on. Yeah. Then we lead in this chapter and the whole chapter is nothing but this kind of rapid fire yeah. Q and a session between Charlie and the psychiatrist. Uh, and poor with... psychiatrist, I mean, he never stood a chance. No, God, really. no, like, no. Charlie, for whatever reason, I mean, he is great at breaking people down. He knows just where to pick, where to poke. He, he, he's he got this master plan that you kind of you kind of see developed. Like, at first you're just thinking, oh, he's just trying to mess with him by asking him questions about this and that and trying to catch him in a lie. But then you kind of see where it's building to. And it, you know he's had this plan from the start. And it's yep. brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and so he starts by asking uh, Adon about his military service. I think he first asks him if he ate, if he's eaten out his wife. No, or not. no, that's not. That's first. about military like service. Military service, and then yeah, have you ever eaten out your wife? Yeah, and then has she given you a blowjob? Yeah, 
you know, and and he's and, he's trying to play it off like I don't know what that means. Yes, and like and he 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 drifts between these questions of like your military service, your work history, and yeah. like has your wife ever gone down on you, yeah. and what's that mean? And first first of all, Don admits that apparently he's never eaten at his wife, which bad move, Don. Yeah, not cool. Not cool. But um, also, he seems to have never gotten a blowjob either, so. I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah, Don, I'm sorry. In the, in the it's, 70s, it's, poor guy. Maybe that's why he's poured so much of his life maybe into psychology. He is. Did people just not like have? I love the way when 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 Don is like, I don't understand what that means. Charlie rephrases the question to, Have you ever had oral to genital intercourse with your yeah, wife? Like, that was a great phrase. Yeah. Like, I just loved that. Um, well, I think the thing about that too is that Charlie not only because he asked him a lot about his military service and training and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so I don't think we mentioned it, but, but Charlie's dad, Carl and all his friends, mm-hmm. they're all uh, veterans. They're all, they all fought in the Vietnam war. Yeah. So he knows a lot of the military terminology, but also we get a sense that he's very bright because you know, his description of, of oral sex, it's all very clinical terms, right? He understands a lot of this psychological uh, kind of stuff that he's going to be met with from the psychiatrist. He already knows that playbook a bit, right? And it's it's really interesting because he's he's really armed with a lot of knowledge that I don't think the authority or the machine or the you know people he's trying to fuck with can really fully appreciate. Mm-hmm. And it really is helpful for him in getting under this guy's skin and fucking with him and getting it on. And so as he goes through this list of questions, he's. Sometimes going back to questions he asked before to make sure he gets the right answer mm-hmm. again, um, playing tricks like that. Uh, he starts asking him biblical questions. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting because uh, I'm an atheist. Um, I thought it was interesting this expectation that somebody would just happen to know these biblical questions. Like the things like, you know, is Jesus counted among the martyrs? Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure I understand what that question means. No, and I mean, I grew up in, in a church, and yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what exactly that means. Yeah. I, I didn't grow up Catholic, so, you know, that maybe is more... Well, and that's that the thing, stream, like, I, guess, I think his answer was something like, yeah. Yeah, but and Charlie and makes a note about, like, what, what his affiliation is, and he's a Methodist. Methodist, yeah. Right? And so. Charlie's comment on the, the, the um, whether Jesus was counted among the Methodists yeah. was like, he's too Methodist. Methodist to be sure. That's right. Yeah, he doesn't and know if he's one of the martyrs, martyrs or not, right? I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> I mean, really, like, Jesus was the ultimate martyr, right, within religion, so... Right, but I guess a, within yeah. certain religions, there is an official title of the, the martyrs, martyrs that yeah. maybe... Yeah. I guess the argument that might be that Jesus was removed because he was the ultimate martyr. That's right. Yeah. Right? So Yeah, there's, you know, saints and prophets and martyrs and all sorts of different yeah. classes of yeah. individuals within these religious sects, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, really interesting how... Um, he really goes back and forth and gets him very comfortable with being honest, right? Which I think leads into, um, you know, how he gets him or how he yeah, traps him yeah. with this line of questioning. He's going back and forth so often, checking for lies, right? That he, he's got uh, the, this counselor in this mode of, well, I need to be truthful, right? I just, I gotta, I gotta say what, you know, the answer is because he's checking me, right? At one point, he kind of stumbles about the year he did his military service. He says 1956, 1950, and then yeah. one time in 1957, you know, and he kind of yeah, trails yeah. off, and he's like, "Oh, wait a minute, was that a lie?" And yeah. right, so he's just on edge about any answer that he gives. And Charlie is so willing truth. to go from like one to eleven in these yes, things. Yes. You fucking lied! You fucking yeah. you. And he cranks it up. Yeah. yeah. 
So we've got Don in this really truthful position, right? Where he's going to answer, if he knows it, he's going to answer as honestly as he possibly can because he knows what, you know, he's, he's got students' lives riding on this. And this is what leads Charlie then into his, his kind of biblical related question. So he asks him, you know, what did Jesus say? What on did the Jesus cross? say on the cross? Which was in the form of a question, right? Yeah. Jesus asked his, his father, why hast thou forsaken me? Yeah. Right. And, and so I was like, Oh, isn't that a question? Wait a minute. What did you just say? Right. And then I was like, well, you, that doesn't count. You fucking cheated. And Charlie fires into the floor. Yeah. But we don't, obviously Don doesn't know that. No. He hears a shot. And yeah. then on top of it, Pigpen, the kind of fainty kid, <laughs> falls faints, over, falls slump. at the same time. So you hear a gunshot, and then and Charlie isn't sure if the intercom picked it up or not. But essentially, there's a gunshot, and then the thud of a body no, exactly. hitting the floor. So you know, for all intents and purposes, what this psychologist has heard is he was in this rapid fire yeah. battle of wits with Charlie. And he, screwed he fucked up. it up. He heard a gunshot. He hears a body hitting the floor, and he now he's broken. Like, yeah. Charlie has won this round. Oh yeah, like he, and he starts like he, sobbing. He sobs right? for like a crying. minute yeah. straight at least yeah. before he's like, "I was just fucking with you." Yeah, yeah, like just the fact that he even—I don't know. I, I, maybe it's part of of him lording it over him that right. he got him. Yeah, but yeah, because I mean, it is a small amount of grace to Mister Grace to yeah. say, "Hey, no, you didn't just kill get a yeah. student killed, right? It was just a joke." We we weren't playing for keepsies. He exactly, says, that's right? what he says. This this was just like the opening round, right? But the game's over now, and then he gets Ted to confirm that nobody's dead. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, essentially, he's broken this man, uh, and then he kind of runs out onto the lawn. Um, he's done. He, he leaves. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, and Charlie wouldn't let him leave either. Right? Yeah. At first, when he wanted to leave, but now Charlie's like, "Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And run out to tell everyone what happened," kind of thing. Uh, it's uh, it was pretty intense. Yeah, right? no, you know, and and you know, we I think we understand as much as Charlie's had these in depth, you know, either flashbacks or conversations about with the class about you know his parents and why he's doing this and that kind of thing. We see that he's he's pretty sharp. Uh, he's got a bunch of knowledge. He knows how to get at people in a way that no matter almost who it is, he he has this path to how he's going to break them. Yeah, kind of thing, right? So we. We start to appreciate more um, the danger that Charlie possesses psychologically rather than just he has a gun and he's not afraid to use it and set fires and that kind of thing, right? He's he's also dangerous, you know, going up against these mind-to-mind battles with authority as well. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of where we're at. And then this is kind of the last bit, chapter 20. We get into the chapter I call um, <laughs> the diss slap battle. Yes. <laughs> And I think this is a really interesting chapter because this is where we shift from the majority of the classroom kind of being along for the ride to like... Starting to participate. Starting to participate. Starting to get it on. Starting to get it on. Um, So when Charlie gets off the intercom with with Don Grace, one of the students uh, is it's a student called named Grace. Yeah. Yeah. Is like, fuck yeah, man. Yeah. Um, She's like, that was great. That Charlie. was great. Yeah. Uh, and and there's another student named Irma. Yeah. Who kind of speaks up and starts like, what the fuck, Grace? Yeah. She she's perturbed by this whole situation, yeah. and she's like, what are you talking about, Grace? And then they get into it yes. a little bit, right? 
There's some insults that are... Grace strong. starts, like, yeah. basically stating, if not implying, that, like... Uh, or, sorry, Irma starts implying that Grace's mother's a whore. Yeah. And Grace, also a slut or a whore. Or a slut yeah. in training, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. The classic slut The classic in slut in training. Uh, and Grace responds by attacking Irma's kind of appearance. Yep. Right, oh, you're uh, fat and ugly, or what, what? You know, whatever it is, you can't get a date or something like that. Yeah. So they start kind of, you know, they're 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 going after each other. And so Charlie's like, well, if... Grace stands up, so she stands. That's up, right. That's right, right. That's right. And she, you know, I just picture like you know the classic like she start taking out her ears. Yeah, 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 she, yeah. You know, she fuck you up. Yeah, and and she's coming like she's walking. And down Irma's the like, aisle. yeah, she's coming down the aisle at Irma. And then Charlie intervenes, yeah. right? He goes, no, no, no. We need some order here. We're going to do this right. <laughs> and so he gets some chalk. He draws this this uh, chalk circle on the ground that's about five feet from yeah. corner to corner. Yeah. And is like... famous circles with corners. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. And then is like, get in the circle. You cannot step outside the circle or you will die. Yeah. Uh, and then... Which Ted objects to, but is quickly kind of silenced. Right, because yeah. again, like... This is where the the majority of the school starts getting into getting it on. Yeah. And Ted is like the only naysayer. Yeah. And it's it's that's a really interesting dynamic where realistically, looking at this from an objective perspective, Ted is objectively in the right. He is the yeah. one who's like he's thinking this about is this clearly like insane. we need to stop this. It's crazy, yeah. But but the rest of the students are in for it. And I kind of feel like if I was in that classroom, I would be too. Yeah, I mean, you got to think. Going back to that comment that that Charlie had about the violence in everyday life, yeah. in entertainment, that kind of thing, right? And as well as what you were talking about before about the the hidden parts, right, of of the the high school life where I I don't want you to know about what my parents are doing, or you know I secretly am this, or you know I'm a nerd or whatever, right? You know, there's this liberating aspect of it. They don't feel, I think, as though they're in danger. Like, Charlie specifically told them, hey, I'm not going to shoot you guys. Like, I don't want to hurt you guys. I just want to get it on and fuck with the man kind of thing, right? So they don't, I think, feel in danger specifically from him, right? And they're they're now in this almost out-of-body But realistically, they should. Like, how much should you trust the person who just shot your algebra teacher, right? But at the same time, nobody was really too perturbed about Mrs. Underwood going (laughs) down. Like, you know, they were kind of like, all right, you know. Things could be worse. Yeah, Algebra 2, not my favorite class. I don't know what it was, right? But I I think there's that comfort in the sense that it's a crazy situation and they they have received kind of some assurance that they're going to be okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. They don't feel that they're in danger. So that willingness to um, kind of live in that fucked up moment. Right. That roulette ball that's just spinning. Right. It's it's a moment outside of time almost. And that comfort to just progress down that road of, well, I, I can let my secrets out. Like Charlie told these stories and nobody judged him. Right. Uh, you know, so there is that comfort there, I think. Uh, as well as, you know, you got beef with other kids in the class or whatever. Now's your time to get it out, mm-hmm, right? Like, mm-hmm. it is a little Lord of the Fliesy in this yeah, classroom really right is, now. Yeah. Um, and Charlie's doing a good job of kind of saying, yeah, like, you can do this, but let's do it with some order. So, you know, he gets them in the chalk circle. <laughs> he throws out some rules, uh, you know, like, okay, this is a thing. You guys are going to lay into each yeah. other. And then, you know, it's going to be open hand only. Like, he's got all these yeah, yeah. rules. Like, you, you know, you, you, get, you get a good diss, and then you can you can do an open hand slap, right? So he lays out the groundwork, 
says, you know, don't step out of the circle or, you know, I'll shoot you kind of thing. But, you know, go at each other, right? Settle this, you know, as as the proper way of settling yeah. this yeah. disagreement between them, right? And then they get into it. They, they start going after each other, right? We got the, you're, your mom's a whore, you're a whore on one side from Irma. And then Grace is coming back with you your fat stink, and ugly. You stink. You're... You can never get a date, right? You've you got yeah. no friends. You're a nerd who stays at home. Um, and each time they kind of lay out their little diss, Charlie will nod like, yep, yeah, that was good. Yep. And then they get to slap the other one. And, and there are some pretty big blows happen in there. And I think they go two or three rounds. Uh, and then and Irma, Irma starts breaking down. Irma's yeah. like, I, I can't, I she can't, I can't. And, but she doesn't give up. And Irma, though, we kind of find out she's kind of bigger. Like she, yeah, she's got kind of the height and reach advantage. Like you know, from a physical perspective, she should kind of be winning this battle. Uh, but she, I think, psychologically, didn't maybe have the heart to do it. Well, I think right? she or, feels the insults more than the other girl does. Yeah, because she's probably heard them more, right? It's mother and town gossip was uh, yeah. you know, maybe out there yeah. a bit more. Uh, but yeah, so Irma kind of, she falls to her knees and is kind of, hey, don't hit me. I, I don't want to, I'm, I'm done. Like, you know, and Grace keeps coming after her though because she's like, you need to apologize. But but also Charlie supports that yeah. too. Like, yeah. you know, if well, you, you, you got to either gotta apologize going, yeah. or you got to like see it out. Mm-hmm. And so even after Irma's like, please stop, please, it goes back a couple more times. Yeah, Charlie still gives Grace yeah. the nod, like, yeah, go ahead, you know. Um, and and it's, it's just a matter of waiting until Irma will say that she's sorry. Yeah, which and she does. Eventually. She does, finally. Grace lands a few more shots. Yeah. And then Irma breaks down and says, I'm sorry. Yeah. But then she also kind of, you know... Grace has won, so Grace leaves the circle and is like... Well, no, but first, this is, this is I thought, was a really, really important moment where before she leaves the circle or whatever, Grace is like, my mom fucks, and I love her. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. So she acknowledges... And the class cheers. Right, yes. Yeah. She acknowledges yeah. all of the things yeah. that, like, she was accused of. Yeah. And says, you know, I love her anyway. Yeah, yeah. And... But not that she's a slut or a whore. No, no, Just no. Just that my mom fucks. My mom fucks. Right. Like my mom. That doesn't make her a slut. Yeah, doesn't make her right. a whore. But she yeah. fucks. Yeah. So kind of changing the narrative a little bit. Sure. Right. So yes, sure. these were insults, and but yet yeah, my mom is doing her own thing, right? And I'm proud of it. Whatever. She's out. And, and the class encourages Irma to kind of do the same thing. Like yeah. Well, say it. Charlie, Charlie, when Irma stands up and is, you know, Charlie's like, "Do you have something you want to say to the class?" Yeah. Right. We're in this kind of confessional environment. Yeah. Exactly. Right? So yeah, Irma does bare her soul a little bit, right? She and she, and she also says these things are true, yes. right? Yes, I, I I don't know how to, you yeah. know, perform proper hygiene, right? I don't, you know, I'm not getting any dates. Like I just I don't know how to do it, and she's sad, and you know, and then some girls pipe up and are like, well, hey, it's not that you, hard. Yeah, have you thought about you know shaving yeah. your legs and doing this and that and and all of a sudden these group of girls in the back of the come class, on back so, here we'll tell you how to yeah. like what pretty yourself up well they first they i think they start doing it and then the boys are kind of listening and they're like no no okay come back here because yeah. these are trade secrets yeah. like we're not going to tell it in front of all the class kind of thing but so she's immediately accepted right so now charlie has kind of won over the class essentially right this his methods are working right people are feeling comfortable they're they've been confessing their stuff and being accepted for yeah. it and and making new friends almost and the, right? the bigger picture i like about this is that it, it does feel like the 
the things that people pick on you about in school are the things that are probably true to some extent, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And it's your own denial of them and your own unwillingness to own up to them that makes them weaponizable. Yeah. And as soon as you step up and say, yes, that's true. Yeah. It can't be it used loses, against it you loses anymore. its power. Right? Yeah. Um, and again, this is where I think rage is at its best, at its most powerful, is those moments with what it means to be a high school student. Yeah. Right? And to be in that environment, yeah. that machinery, that... Um, it's almost a separate society within oh, high God, school. It right? is. It so and, is. And so, yeah. To how do you play within those rules, and how do you buck those conventions yeah. too? Which is part of getting it on, right? Is bucking the convention. Uh, the other thing here is Ted tries to get involved a little bit, right? You know, he's he's, he's saying, "Oh, don't do that, Charlie," or something like that. And there's somebody else in the class that is like, you know, shut up, Ted. Like, so now it's not just Charlie. Like, yeah. somebody else is like, what are you doing, Ted? Like, shut up. And, yeah. you know, like, because everybody's liking this, right? They're they're feeling free. They're feeling accepted. Even if it's right? not fun, it's at least cathartic. Yeah. Right? And so Ted is now kind of just really lost any favor that he's had with the class, any attempts of being the hero. Like, everyone's against Ted now. Everyone's on board with Charlie. You know, he's doing it right as far as getting it on, right? And then the other thing I found interesting, so at the end of this chapter, uh, there's a little kind of timeline thing here where it says uh, it was 9.05 oh, right. in chapter one when he was looking at the squirrel and got called to the office. Now it's like 9.55. It's, it's been 45 minutes. Yeah. That's all it's been. It seems like there's been a lot that has happened, right? He's been to the principal's office. Uh, you know, he started the fire. He's shot two teachers. The police have showed up. He's done a bunch of getting it on. Right? He's, he's, he's messed with the principal over the intercom. who yeah. didn't like that. And then he left. The psychiatrist has been on the intercom, right? Like, And this has only been 45 minutes. I find it almost hard to believe, to be yeah. honest, that it was I that mean, compressed. That, was, that is my thought when I hit that part, too, yeah. where it was like, I, I wanted to go back and, and look at it all and be like, is it conceivable that yeah. this could have like happened in 45 minutes? He stopped in the minutes? bathroom and took a shit on his way to the office. Like, <laughs> well, I don't think know, he took a shit. Well, or, <laughs> or he took a piss. He ate Ritz crackers. Like he, he ate Ritz crackers. Graffitied. Like, he was in the bathroom for Most a while. Most people eat Ritz crackers for at least as long as he would take a shit But for he him. had to wait for the principal, yep. right, before he had that yep. conversation. Yep. He had to go rip up the textbook, start the fire, right? And then he killed the teachers and... Like, how is that 45 minutes, right? He's telling these stories and, you know, even the slap battle, like, that would have taken a, a bit of time to get through. Like, But anyway. Yeah, you know so what? You're right. And I think I think it's a structural writer thing where it's like he wanted to use the, the alarm and the shock of the bell going off. And, right. Because that's why he knows what time it is. Yeah, because the, the bell goes off. Bell it's, it's the class yes. bell. And... And he just couldn't find a place to use it earlier. Yeah. So it's just got to be there. So it's just, you know. Yeah. But yeah, so that that is the end of chapter 20. Yeah. Which for me is like page 110 of my little ebook, yeah. which I think for you is page 60. 60 or something, something yeah. 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 And so essentially halfway through. Halfway through. Uh, the book. And I'm, I'm really curious where it goes because it seems like a lot has happened. Granted, at the end here we find it's only been 45 minutes. Yeah. But... I'm curious where this goes. I mean, the police are amassed outside. He's broken down the principal. He's broken down the counselor. You know, who's next? Is there going to be a police negotiator? Or, you know, like, how are they going to come after him, right? I, I just, is he going to toy with the class some more? Is he going to, eventually, are they going to revolt against him? I, you know, I'm, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. 
it's really interesting kind of how he's going to keep getting it on right because essentially he's 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 fucked with the authority figures in the school already and kind of accomplished that you know he's kind of got the class on his side but then what's he going to do right he's just going to sit there with them until they get bored or antsy or turn against him i i don't know what are your thoughts? What do you think is going to happen? Uh, well, I mean, I've read this before. Oh, So okay. uh, I know what's going to happen. But it's been interesting to revisit. Um, I haven't read this in a long time. And it's it's been... I was I was going wondering how it would be to go back to it to see how it stood up, how problematic is it in the current climate. Um, I still think it's really good. I mean, it's extremely well written from that internal monologue perspective. We really get a lot of what makes Charlie tick. Uh, We don't get a lot of details about some of the events and things, but these little flashbacks and pieces of memory that he has about his relationship with his father, you know, we really start to get this picture of, you know, how he could be messed up or how he might be going berserk and lashing out at the world. Um, And, yeah, just really, really good kind of internal thoughts and, and stories um but also the time frame like it's in the 70s yeah um which is you know for us like that's a different time in absolutely world, especially in the states in a rural school you know these this is a, a whole different world right i mean you're still like you know people still might have black and white tvs at home and stuff like that right like, yeah yeah you know it's just a different time in the world uh and some of the language i think yeah reflects yeah. that not that it's problematic or anything like that. I didn't find anything really too out there as far as, you know, things that we would deem as problematic nowadays. There was a bit where Charlie, like, played, like, Negro slave and the other <laughs> black kid in the, or a black kid in the classroom But I think the fact that it, he laughed but, yeah, at it yeah, yeah, was yeah. like, yeah, he's cool with it kind of thing, right? That, that yeah. was kind of one part. But I think the fact that the, the kid in class laughed was kind of calling it kosher, I guess. But, yeah. But uh, I mean, it's it does definitely has some some language that is, you know, not common parlance anymore. Right? Getting it's, it on, getting it on. <laughs> well, it means something different now, I guess. I guess, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, just some of the little, you know, kind of things that he talks about, especially with his dad and and that kind of stuff, right? Where you know people don't really talk like that anymore. But you know, it's still interesting as far as how that dialogue goes. Happy horseshit is one of those phrases that I've seen Stephen King use more than once that I have never heard in person. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's a cool kind of psychological thriller. Yeah. Really. And I think this was a good chapter to kind of pause on. Mm -hmm. You know, he's got the class on his side now. Yeah. Right. He's kind of got the police and the authority at bay. Right. It's his show. Ted is cowed in the corner. You know, he's not doing anything. Where do things go next? What is going to happen? Right. Like, how is it going to end? Oh, there was one other thing that he says in this chapter uh, near the end where he goes, um, you know, somebody's gone. Mrs. Underwood. Right. He's looking. Oh, and she's gone. And I'm gone. Gone too. Right. And we don't know if that means he's going to maybe kill himself or, you know, he's got no hope for his life or whatever, or he's just gone berserk or. Yeah. I took it know. as meaning his mental state. Like at this point, he's yeah. just, he's gone. He's, I, he's not. I took it sane. more as because he was looking directly at a dead body that he's kind of forfeited his life. And this okay. is, you know, his get, this getting it on is 
the grand like I'm yeah, yeah, doing yeah, this yeah. and then I don't really care what happens, yeah. you know, kill me or not Interesting. or whatever. I kind of took it a little bit in that sense. So that's why I'm curious what is going to happen. Like, is, is this, you know, because the, the tone of the book has been him looking back at this. Yes. Right. As if he's telling it like he survived. Some years later. Counting yeah. it. Right. But is he or is that just kind of a, a little bit of a writer's trick kind of thing? Right? Yeah, because, I mean, in literature, a story yeah. could be told by a dead person looking exactly, back on their right? life as well, yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. So I'm curious to see, like, you know, and, and also I think that we know people in the class are probably not going to survive. You know, he's he's definitely seems to have it in for Ted. The other thing with the slap battle, like if you step outside the circle, you will get shot, right? So there is a, if you cross me or if you don't follow my rules or what I want, there's a potential to, to shoot him. I know he doesn't want to. Yeah, but lose it, the class. Even that, and that's an interesting point. I feel like he wouldn't have, but it was just in the same an way an that empty like. threat? Huh? You think it was an I don't empty know threat? if it was an empty threat or just something he said for fun in the moment. Hmm. I, I I think about, you know, when he mentioned to um, Don Grace, uh, you ask a question, I'll, I'll shoot somebody. And hmm. he tricks him into asking a question and then he shoots into the floor. Yeah. Because he's not, he's not interested in killing anyone right there. He's not, he, that's not his goal. Well, he's not, he's maybe not interested in killing his classmates per se. He definitely had no compunction about taking out two teachers, right? Which... Well, they got, I mean, his argument was that, like, he had no choice. He had to, yeah. in the sense that they got in the way of his attempt to get it on. Yeah. And while I, I think that's a fucking insane thing to say, I also find myself kind of able to put myself in his perspective and see how that he might has, be true. He, he has some logic, I guess, yeah. to how he's thinking about exactly. it. Exactly. Whether we agree or not, I get it. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean... I, I I know you read the book, so you're kind of humoring me here a little bit, but I, I feel like he's, you know, he kind of has to lose the class at some point. And, you know, there's got to be some back pressure that causes him to shoot someone or do something that where he loses the class, right? And, and things will then escalate from there. Right. Right. I, I don't think, you know, as much as we've seen the class kind of be on his side and, oh, yeah, Charlie's doing it right and, you know, shut up, Ted, let Charlie, you know, do this uh that can't last mm -hmm. right there's no way that that can last i mean these kids are i guess it's only been 45 minutes right so so far but yeah. what happens when you know hunger starts to kick in and we need bathroom breaks and yeah yeah, know, yeah. The, the real life physical needs start to kind of happen um the the sweaty the you know just you know we saw one girl swimming and, and yeah you know, and non-spoilery but i do think that more time passes in the second half yeah, okay. More okay. than an hour passes. Yeah. I mean, for, you know, 20 chapters, it's a pretty compressed timeline, that's for sure. I mean, yeah. A lot has happened. But, yeah, I'm, I, I, for me, I'm just really curious because it could go a whole bunch of different ways. Maybe nobody else dies. Who, who knows, right? Maybe he just fucks with authority for the rest of the day and everyone walks out at the end. Like, you know, there could be a lot more of those rapid-fire conversations, which would be really interesting. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. But, yep. Yeah, I'm very curious to see what will happen next. Well, we'll find out in a couple of weeks when we uh, cover the second half of Rage by Stephen King. Until then, I guess we're kind of done our conversation for the day. Yeah. 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 So I've been Todd Sullivan. I've been Peter Avon. And until next time, go read a fucking book. <laughs> <laughs>